Welcome to this next episode of the Sparks podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Lisa Lloyd about the subject of imposter syndrome. I know you're going to find it interesting. We talk about a number of different things, the things that stop us from becoming who we can be, the things that stop us believing in ourselves, and actually the voice in our head that tells us we're not good enough to do things. Lisa gives her tips on how to change that, and also some thoughts around, if you're an entrepreneur, what you might need to do in terms of your network of people that can support you. The podcast split into two episodes to give you a chance to listen to each in a short time period. So this is episode one. Episode two will be released in the next few weeks. I'd like to apologise up front to all the listeners out there that my voice didn't fully record properly. I hadn't set the microphone levels at the correct setting before we started. But I'm hoping this will not detract from your enjoyment and understanding of the podcast. Please remember to leave us a review and any rating you'd like at the end of it because obviously this helps us get found by other people who may benefit from the thoughts and inspiration we're putting out. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Uh, so welcome to the Ignean podcast. Uh, we are looking at how do we create sparks in your business, sparks in your life and help you reignite the spark when it might have fizzled out. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to Lisa Lloyd. Lisa's a chartered psychotherapist and psychologist, and her view is she helps businesses get their people right, because when you get people right, you get the business right. Uh, so in a, in a nutshell, Lisa, how would you describe what you do? I can give you a brief introduction, but what was the, what's the words you use? Um, thanks, Bill. Um, so I work with um, individuals to help them um, be their best and to thrive, actually often by helping companies know how to support those individuals that might be around mental health and well-being and that kind of thing which is a bit more than just the depression and anxiety and what people tend to think about mental health being about um, and also a lot of supporting managers to really work at how to keep their people engaged and motivated and productive um, and it's you know that's where that's about their own skill and their own knowledge yeah. or as kind of a collective in terms of everyone embarking on some learning together. Um, and it's, you know, a lot about sort of psychological safety in the workplace, which is really important at the moment, so that people feel, you know, included what's going on and able to kind of contribute and so on, which is really relevant in what's happening now with all the change going on. Change is another area. So, yeah. you know, it's such a changing, diverse kind of workplace environment at the moment in terms of everything's taking slightly different tracks yeah. moving yeah. forward. And it's how you get people on board with that. Um, I don't just expect everyone to join you where you are in, in the journey, but um, recognising where people are at, uh, which can be very different parts of that cycle and helping yeah. them move forward. Um, I think and kind really of, you know, the emotional stuff that you and I talk a lot about, like emotional intelligence and yeah. um, and so on. And really, I think it's a lot of people in this space, but I think for me, it's about really unpicking what's going on what's actually going on in that business and what people really think is going on what they think yeah. is going well what's not going so well um sort of unpicking and looking at the why and then you can work out what needs to happen yeah to make right. that better and, and it's interesting actually because that why is something that i think is really fundamental i've just been writing an article at the moment around purpose uh, and the, the article is why is purpose more important now yeah. And it relates to the fact that a lot of businesses are struggling with employees and employees are struggling with their business. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned that mental health and looking at how do you best employ people and how do you employ the best people and how do you keep mm. them retain them? And I think this word purpose is going to become more prevalent as we go on. And I've written lots of articles in the past, but looking to write something now around 
yeah, why is it now important when we're going to what we're going? And how do employees really connect to that why, yeah. which connects to in people? Because at the end of the day, the, the model of the world I look at is the fact that people are the fundamental foundation of every business, wherever you are. Exactly. And if you build the right talent, capability and culture with the right values, actually it's the, it forms the core of any business. And you've exactly. got to get that foundation right. Yeah, and I think it's, that's kind of one of those underlying um, beliefs that, you know, it's, it's about we have to have that sense of meaning and purpose. And if we start there everything else kind of blossoms and it emerges and yeah. we start flowing in the right direction but yeah. people forget to kind of go back to the basics yeah I think that's one of the they start thinking like that's where I want to be and that's where I'm heading and they they forget to think about okay what what does everyone really believe we're here for you know what yeah. what why do I get out of bed in the morning why do I come to work at this particular organization why am I not working somewhere else you know what's yeah. my belief and my value in, in, in the people here and, and what we're trying to achieve. I think that should be key. Uh, I was saying to you earlier, I've just been running a workshop this week all around mm. values and beliefs and emotions and helping people get in touch with who, literally who they are. Mm. Uh, and, and this course that I've been running this week was with sales executives and um, service managers in a car company. And the key that came out is actually that we want to help people get in touch with who they are at whatever mm. age they are. Because I believe that's the fundamental release, reason we can do things is because we know who we are and just can communicate differently. Uh, and one of the things I think comes out for a lot of people, and we'll use this word now, imposter syndrome, um, people have a belief about who they are, but also as they gain skills, some people feel that they're not good enough. They're not able to do the job they want to do well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked we talk this podcast around uh, this concept of imposter syndrome. I've got a view of what it is in my mind, but I'd love to know what's the what's your view on what imposter syndrome is, and and why is that of importance right now? So, a huge number of people experience imposter syndrome at some point, and I think um, is more prevalent now because roles are changing um, so much. But I think it's that feeling of inadequacy and self doubt, almost being fraud, mm. despite the fact you've had proved success or failure. So it's, you know, you've got the evidence there, but like you were just saying, it's about being um, aware, actually kind of getting in touch with yourself and actually looking at the fact that I've got this evidence that I am a success, yeah. yet I still don't feel like just that's justified. You know, I, don't, I still feel that's real. Mm. And, and people, you know, this whole cycle, you end up fe- fearing failure and you end up being in a situation where, you know, for some people, it's that need for perfectionism. So yeah. often people can be overly critical of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, again, some people um, have unrealistic expectations of what they are about or actually inflate a sense of self-importance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. It's that, um, you know, I, if I'm not doing my best, then it's all going to completely fail, not really realising the value of the, the team around them. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a huge amount of anxiety at the moment because of people being made redundant why me um or um or my role's changing can I do the new role or you've Mm. been out of the workplace you've got to get back into the workplace how am I going to re-enter I was writing recently about pink collar recession and the sense of women's role you know the industries that women work a lot in um retail and uh, food, the food industry, and, and so on, about which is often casual hours and so on. It's about so they're yeah. the first people to go, or they have often caring responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. So they end up having they prioritize their family over work, and therefore they're now 
beginning perhaps to think about your know, schools are going back so I can get back into the workplace but that's you know trying to re-enter a workplace yeah so self-doubt and so on and, and that's the big thing actually and I hadn't thought about that pink collar obsession I'd like to come back to that in a minute I think mm. the bit you mentioned there earlier about is this you know perfectionism and fa- fear of failure I'd just like to touch on that first um, mm. so, so this word imposter syndrome I don't know when it first originated um, but I wonder you see a lot of lot in the press about people um not doing things because they're fear, fearing what might happen yeah and it could be success or failure but it yeah. stops them in the first place and i wonder what is it what is it you see and what are the, the patterns you start to see in individuals when you say that's because of imposter syndrome and maybe that's labeling it in the wrong way but what's the things you look for to say this is what we need to deal with and tackle yeah, it's really interesting on the label because I tend to try and avoid labels yeah, okay. as possible. Because I think as soon as someone's kind of given a label, then everyone shuts down the big picture and stops valuing them as an individual and looking at the evidence actually contrary to the label. They just start, start pigeonholing them. Yeah, yeah. It's that sense of someone consistently saying that they feel that they're, they're fearing being judged, they're feeling being shown up, they're feeling that if they um, put themselves in the spotlight are they going to be good enough mm, and it's, mm. it's, it's detecting that constant questioning or you know that something that's coming across is, is about self-doubt it's about that sense of fear of being embarrassed or shamed or being criticized or um which might not be very obvious and people often don't use those words because people yeah. don't like to admit that they experience um imposter syndrome it's, it's something people feel embarrassed about having yeah, and they want yeah. to, you know, people like to be thought of as being confident and capable yeah, yeah. they don't want to have to put their hand up and say oh actually I don't feel confident enough to do this yeah people feel that's a real kind of um that's you know that means that itself means I'm not good enough the fact yeah. that I don't feel good enough <laughs> and, and it's interesting you mentioned about the pink color recession I wonder do you see the symptoms of, of imposter syndrome more in men or in women or does it not matter is it is it irrelevant i think that's a really good question i think for um typically women are um people will talk about women as uh in terms of different emotional intelligence and so on mm. and so women will perhaps question themselves more they'll doubt themselves more if they're around you know there's lots and lots of evidence that they're um in a very male um uh heavy meeting or something yeah, yeah. actually do they feel the confidence that to speak up do they feel that their views will be listened to and valued as much as others um yeah, yeah. so there's that but actually i also think on the flip side of that lots of men will be um have this illusion that they're supposed to be in control and everything and they don't necessarily like to ask for help yeah 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 it's a double-edged sword in the sense of some people generally feeling it um but perhaps being okay about asking for help from other women and saying they don't feel um as confident as they should yeah and men perhaps give the illusion that actually they're super super confident yeah but underneath they're perhaps not and i think that's that's the harder group in a sense than to get them to break down these barriers and ask for help and access help to kind of you know admit they're not a superhuman who knows everything and who can do everything mm. all the time and actually it's okay and it shows quite a character of you know strength and so on yeah, yeah. if you're able to say i don't feel great about this right now yeah yeah um, i'm not sure 
there's almost a sense of um you know we often talked about you know people having to be need, needing to be vulnerable to be mm -hmm. out there and actually express who they are yes uh, and and when we look at the, the work of Brittany brown and other people talking about you know the power of vulnerability yeah part of that to me is around people not a lot of the problem to say is the fact that people don't feel they can do that because they're in an environment where they've they've worked and worked and worked up through an organization or they're running their own business and actually for them to suddenly say i don't know where i'm going yeah actually it's quite difficult for them and you mentioned about the illusion of control because they want to give this illusion of control yeah. and it's almost like the, the the swan above the water totally graceful but underwater it's frantically paddling yes yes and, and i wonder whether in in this last few months where we've had pandemic and people have been locked mm -hmm. down and business have been working differently are we seeing more people putting their hand up and saying i need help or are we seeing less because they're not open and not able to go and talk to people about it i wonder what's your impression of that i don't know if it's more or less i, I think it's um it's perhaps more i don't know if the numbers have changed but i think there might be a clearer distinction between those two groups yeah okay. so um there might be more people now you're becoming aware of more people saying actually i'm not really sure yeah. and i i want some help to move forward with this um whereas those people before might be open for help but not necessarily shouting so loudly and you know trying to to make that happen yeah, yeah. um yeah the numbers right. thing is an interesting interesting question i'm not i'm not sure but i think people are having to think about it now so what in terms yeah. of where they're going rather than just drifting along, people are actually having to think, okay, where am I going and what am I doing? And actually being mm. conscious of their actions. And then yeah. perhaps that starts to highlight their emotional response to those actions. Yeah. And, and, and just going back slightly, actually, one of the things you mentioned just now about people's, people's fear of being judged mm. or, or people's feeling of not being good enough. Mm. So when you're talking about people taking an action, actually, if they're fearful of being judged, I wonder, does that stop them taking certain action for themselves? Is that the key? Is that the issue that we start seeing that people just don't do things? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know that links with the whole. You know, this is all about anxiety. Okay. And anxiety, I always, you know, I, I talk a lot with people about anxiety, and I think it's almost having this inner voice. It's like a negative dialogue, mm. and it's like you're you're in a critic, and I always encourage people to give it an identity because as soon as you become aware of that inner voice and it's starting to tell you you know you don't do this and don't do that people forget that they have a choice of whether they listen to it or not so if, if people don't if people just listen to it and they as a lot of people do they give into it then they end up they don't do anything they stop putting themselves in positions of doing things they want to do because it's yeah. inner voice is saying no don't do that because what if what yeah, yeah. And that's very damaging, isn't it? So, so there's a lot of people probably not fulfilling their full potential. Coming back to what you said at the beginning, mm. you know, you help people fulfill their potential and you help yeah. if you get business people right, you get businesses right. Yeah. There's a lot here around unless people recognize the things they're doing or that voice in their head. Yeah. If they if they hear it and choose to go with it and say, I can't do this because I'm not good enough, actually yeah. they're never going to reach their full potential. Exactly. And they hold themselves back. Yeah, it's a real self-fulfilling prophecy because the more you the more you hold back, I always liken this kind of like inner critic to being a bit of a bully. And the more you feed a bully, the bigger they get. Yeah. And it ends up kind of, you know, where people start to have just a few self-doubts and you feel a bit anxious on a couple of occasions. Yeah. They're not aware of that, or the people around them are not aware of that and how to support them, then it can suddenly it can get to a point where it grows more and more and becomes 
then quite overpowering because yeah. you've given in to that bully too many times. The bully now actually only has to suggest, oh, what if? And you end up thinking, oh my gosh, I can't possibly have a go at that. I might yeah. play it. Wow. So, so there's an interesting here. We talk about um, obviously at this stage, August 2020, where the pandemic's still going on and, and mm. a lot of businesses now are coming into the, the third quarter of the year. Businesses are making decisions and we're seeing a lot of redundancy. So, so a lot of people are going to be going to be hit really hard. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned about pink collar recession. So tell me about that in terms of people's inner voice. And if you've been made redundant, what's the typical things that show up for people then? Um, same sort of thing in terms of just that worry about how to break back into the workplace in terms of you've been off because you know either you made redundant or you had to prioritize caring responsibility or whatever it was yeah that whole sense of trying to break back into the job market is when people start to say well what is it I'm good at what is it I can do and I'm now up against all these hundreds of thousands of other people all trying to get back in so why is someone going to employ me rather than that person and you start Mm. to question and I think the way our brain works, our imagination will always, if we're, if our anxiety is high yeah. and our emotional arousal is higher than it should be, it closes down our thinking and it ends up being kind of very black and white. Mm. And our imagination tends to look at the worst side of things. So there's always the glass half empty rather than the glass being yeah. half full. And so that's when you start to question well, why is someone going to choose me rather than, of course, they're going to choose me? Yeah. And, and interesting, actually, even just watching your, your face then when you said that, actually, there's a big physiological impact on people there. Mm-hmm. If you've got that negative voice saying, why are they going to choose me? Actually, yeah, you, you're almost going to knock yourself down yeah. straight away. But as soon as you, And it's almost trying to get yourself out there and say they will choose me. But there's a, there's a thing you mentioned earlier about choice, because mm-hmm. you and I can talk about this and we know that we have a choice because we've yeah. done a lot of research on it. But for someone have being impacted by this at the moment or reaching a point in their career where they're now thinking, am I good enough? Am I really this good? And what do they people need to do to create that awareness themselves so that they can question the voice and say, no, this isn't right. Do something mm. different. What's the, what's the techniques they maybe need to use? Well, I often get people to start looking at their past successes and um, their you know what? What's the evidence of actually their of their success? Oh, yeah, and okay. would you know? And affirm thinking for themselves about that, but also asking them what would other people say about you? You know, what are the positive yeah. things? Yeah, and that's a really lovely question because when you ask someone themselves, you know, being to, you know as we are as humans, we tend to we don't like to gloat. We don't t- like to say you know, I'm great at, yeah. but if you say, well, what would your colleague or what would your boss or what would your partner or your children or whoever say about you, um, you know, positive things, what are the top three things that they say that's really good about you? Yeah, yeah. You then begin to begin to actually access the individual's true beliefs, their true constructs about themselves. Um, and it's a really good way of actually helping an, an individual identify those and then you can start to build on that and I'll help them identify what okay what are you what are your other strengths which mm-hmm. have nothing to do with you know what we deem as success or achievement okay. what are your successes and your talents you know what are you what are you good at what what sort of contribution do you make and it's kind of about it's helping people identify the positive side of what they're about yeah yeah um, and then reminding them okay when you hear this little voice 
and I was talking to someone yesterday. They 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 call theirs Brenda, but I have I actually have lots of Bob's, Bills, Brenda's. I don't know what the B what the, it's all the B's, but um, when they hear this um, Brenda talking, yeah. um, it's like, well, are you going to listen to her telling you you can't do it, or are you going to remember? Um, you know, you might picture like a, a wise owl sitting on your shoulder, or yeah. or some people in the past have said that they picture me being just behind <laughs> them, kind of saying come on you know this is this is what you're really like and then you have it you're in that position where you actually have a choice well and, and so, so so there's a couple of things there in terms of just recapping what you're saying is helping people recapture the the, the, the past successes and look for the evidence specifically of where they've been successful but not just looking at their strengths looking at their talents looking at their contributions and looking at the positive elements of their life so looking yeah. in, a, in an all-round holistic way who they are yes was one of the bits i took out uh, and the other bit i love that about giving it a voice sorry yeah. giving it a name sorry so you've got the voice but yeah. actually calling it something um and, and almost making sure they can see what that voice is saying to them yeah you know from an nlp perspective if we're looking at how to help people develop we'll, we'll give it a voice but we'll also then if it's a, a, a voice which is a critic ask them to, to give a, you know, a mickey mouse sound to it or speed it up make it sound really funny. Yeah. so you yeah. can laugh at it and then shrink it away into the yes distance. yes so, so yeah. some of what you're doing there is actually helping them name it, recognize it, but also layer on top of it the positives that they've got as a person as well. So they then can start outweighing the negatives with that positive voice. Exactly. And I think when people have got started to kind of put that um, information together and they kind yeah. of do a bit more self-aware, is that it's really powerful for people to be able to visualize themselves being in a situation where they are standing up to their inner critic. Because typically what happens is people don't really think about it, don't practice. And then they get to that moment of being on the spot and being, you know, expected to do something that they feel uncomfortable about or being, um, you know, having, having to put themselves in a situation of fulfilling a role and they're feeling anxious. Mm. And at that point, as soon as you start to feel anxious, again, your emotional arousal's up and, and it really impacts on how you're behaving and and what you're thinking. Yeah. But if when you're really calm during uh, whatever point during the day, you can just take a moment to kind of close your eyes and imagine, okay, I can hear my critic, Brenda, and I'm now going to say to her, buzz off. And actually yesterday we were talking about, imagine if she's been a bit bossy, yeah. The person thing to yesterday was imagining putting on her own bossy boots and she actually pictured what colour they were and what they felt like, whether they were lined or had buckles mm. or whatever. And she actually wanted to squish Brenda. So she uh, imagined Brenda, who actually is obviously quite small because she's in your brain, trying to be quite bossy. And then my client stood on her, squished her, <laughs> which, which for her was really powerful. She's yeah. like, actually, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I know this is what's true about me. What a lovely thought. And I, what I love about that is, is giving them the power to do it and almost empowering yes. them to take charge yes. of that voice as, yeah. a, as opposed to letting the voice run them. It's them yeah. saying, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not standing for this. And the, the, yeah. the, the analogy I've just drawn when you mentioned this now is if you feed a bully, it gets bigger is what you said. Yes. But actually yeah. what you're now doing is standing up to the bully. Exactly. Stopping it and then squashing it down. Exactly. That's powerful. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. And, and, and obviously we're seeing a lot more of this you're seeing people come to you because they they need support so at least they recognize it and I, I always say you know at the end of the day awareness is the greatest agent for change so once yeah. you become aware you can then do something about it so yes. what about for these people who haven't yet become aware they're they're, they're struggling 
what do they need to do to generate that awareness? So I think often that's about people around. So, so that's the other part of working with organisations to help everyone have a sense of awareness around um, what anxiety looks like mm. and what we can what we can do we can recognize when we recognize this signs so for example lots of organizations have mental health first aiders yeah but those mental health first aiders which are great but they might have been trained i had an organization contact me last week he said we've got you know 50 or so um of them trained and that was brilliant they were trained a couple of years ago but actually because of because things like imposter syndrome and lots of other issues are now really on the, the rise they're not feeling confident about recognizing it or then dealing with it. So it's almost like CPD mm. for them. So yeah. we were talking about how to put together a, a, some training, some support, which we're now putting into place where, you know, I will be talking with them about, okay, these are the signs you're looking out for, and then this is what you can do about it. So once we begin to identify the language that people are using, such yeah. as, you know, I'm I'm not sure, I you know, um, but what if, and that sense of... Um, it might not be good enough or I'm not sure because so-and-so is going to be there or whatever you start to identify the language you can then work out what you need to do in response which might be something saying it doesn't sound like you're feeling particularly confident about that or it sounds like that particular person's worrying you or that particular situation is worrying you you know is that something worth talking about a little bit more because then as soon as you start having that dialogue in a very friendly human engaging way which is not about turn to page 42 of my handbook and this is my structured response um but just to say look it, this sounds like it's a bit of a block for you what can we what can we do and let's look at actually I've seen you plenty of times with that person and you've been mm. absolutely brilliant um yeah. and these are the outcomes or you've been you know in meetings like this in these particular examples and you've been brilliant Lisa, that's all we've got time for right now on this episode. It's been a pleasure talking to you as usual. I'm looking forward to our next conversation where we'll talk more about the subject of imposter syndrome and specifically look at how entrepreneurs can manage their businesses and what they can do to help themselves and their teams manage this situation. Thank you. I look forward to speaking to you again. So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating. Or send us an email to sparks at avmconsult.com.